in the football shed, the weekly podcast for football fans that live in the wrong time zone. My name's John Hewitt. Jeff King is here. Good day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. And we're all not really here. We're back in lockdown, so we're back on Zoom, which is uh, strange times. But it also lockdown means... the sequel. Yes, for doesn't get Melbourne. any better. No, second time round is almost a bit depressing, isn't it? It's just not as fun. Um, oh, there um, but I do feel like we need to tell everyone that just before we started recording, Jeff blew his nose into a tea towel. So I'm very glad I'm not in the same room as Jeff. No, right but it's because I'm on my own. It's because you guys aren't here. I can do what I like. <laughs> I can just like just cham down a burger. I feel I feel all fat. Just like wiped the sweat from my brow and blew my nose into the tea towel I was wiping my own fingers on a minute ago. The cheese sauce still resonating. I, I just up my don't nose. don't give too much detail. Jeff, because then people will start to picture it. I, think well, it's, it's I mean, you know, I'm in isolation. What do you do? Um, Jeff, did you bring a beer to wash down your tasty burger? Oh, Wacka Changi! Oh, your favourite. You're a regular. Yeah, because it's, cause it's oh, what else are you going to spend your money on, really? I'm not going to get an Uber <laughs> anywhere. Might as well get a beer that I enjoy vaguely. And, Rog, you don't have to um, drive because we're in the same place. So, have you bought six? No, but I did drive. Years? Now, I b- believe there's four reasons you're allowed to leave your house in the current lockdown environment. And getting uh, critical supplies is one of them. <laughs> now, I believe alcohol is included in that. So um, I drove to the little bottle shop around the corner from Jeff's, <laughs> even though we can't go to Jeff's podcast. And I stocked up on some beer. Um, I'm on a, a delicious fresh hop. Nelson Sauvin IPA uh, from Deep Creek Brewing in New Zealand. So this year's hop harvest. Such a prick, isn't he? He's just <laughs> such, such a, a prick. <laughs> <laughs> I um, walked the 100 metres across the road to Aldi and bought some more Aldi wine. <laughs> well, I, I, I've panicked this time. Like, I didn't. Obviously, panic buying is an issue, and don't do that. It's not a good idea. But, but you did panic buy? No, no. <laughs> But since we've been in lockdown for a week now, every time I go to Aldi, which is pretty much every day, if my wine is there, I buy a single bottle. So now I'm stocked. I've got like four or five bottles in the cupboard, so I'm fine for two or three four days. Four days. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, every week we start with a question, but before we do that, I'm just going to do a bit of admin, because last week I forgot to do the admin. Um, if you want to get in contact, ask us a question, or tell us we're wrong about something, you can find us on Facebook. Just search Football Shed or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Also, uh, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. And, of course, tell your mates so more people can hear us talk football stuff. Um, This week's question comes from a listener, um, and I think we might have two questions because Jeff may have a, a question too, but we went for the listener one first. So this is from Tim in the UK. Can you name the one player who has scored for seven different Premier League clubs. You made is, that, is that the most? That is the most. So there's eight players who've scored for six different clubs and one player that scored for seven, and it's not Jermaine Defoe. Not Jermaine Defoe. He's not even scored for six different clubs. Peter Sam Crouch. Allardyce. Not, not Sam Allardyce and not Peter Crouch. He's got six. Ooh. He played with Peter Crouch at a club for a little bit. Jermaine Defoe. <laughs> Not Jermaine Defoe. <laughs> um, so you played with him at Liverpool. Robbie Keane? 
No, no. he's also at six uh, Nicholas Anelka. No, six clubs as well. Oh. So Peter Crouch played with this player at, at Liverpool. Liverpool. Yes, if I'm remembering correctly, but I think so. So he's a little man then. Is he a little and, man? Yeah. Very quick man. Oh. Played for uh, West Ham, Newcastle, Blackburn. Craig Bellamy. Yes. Oh. Uh, and yeah, he was a Liverpool. And he was a little man. Little stocky man. He was like, he angry. Like yes. an upside down triangle, wasn't he? He had one season. Oh, in his little legs and a massive, massive <laughs> set of shoulders and head. When was he was at Blackburn? He had one season at Blackburn when they finished seventh or something, and he was brilliant. Yeah, he was, he like was really good at Man City for his little bit as well. When I they... think that was when he did he go after that? Maybe he went from Blackburn to Man City. Is that right? He went... uh, Liverpool in the middle, I think. Yeah, Liverpool in the middle. Um, but he went to Man City. But he was when phenomenally first... quick and strong. Yeah. Great finisher. Like I, I totally rated Craig Bellamy. I, I thought he was excellent. I'm surprised he played for so many clubs. Well, like, you don't really. Add them up when you live through it, but looking back on it, that's actually quite extreme. Yeah, he scored for Coventry, Newcastle, Blackburn, Liverpool, West Ham, Man City, and Cardiff. Because remember, he got re- promoted with Cardiff. He only scored two for Cardiff. Ah, that is a um, great question. Thank you, Tim mm, from the UK. Um, can I ask my question now? Go, Jeff. Because, like, was it the other week I was talking about how pointless stats were? Yeah. How, how's this? How's this for a quarter? Says the stats, right. man. Says. <laughs> Monsieur Statit. <laughs> um, McGoldrick and McBurney both scored for Sheffield United this yes. week. Correct. Yes. Can you name the last time two players with the prefix Muck scored for the same team in the Premier League? <laughs> <laughs> uh, MacArthur and someone at Crystal Palace? Mac- MacArthur and McCartney. You've got one of them already. It's MacArthur. I'll give you a clue. It was in 2013. At Everton? Oh. No. No, MacArthur. So Crystal Palace? No, for Wigan. Oh, oh, McManaman. Yeah. Yeah, Connor, Connor <laughs> McManaman. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. Do you want, John? <laughs> that is a useful information that is in my brain somewhere. <laughs> what? Connor McManaman. He was crap, wasn't he? He, he I think. He well, got... everyone thought he was going to be great. He had a good five minutes, and then he was a bit crap. No, he didn't have a good five minutes. He had a good name that everyone went, "Oh, Steve McManaman's good." He's <laughs> he was good, good at football. Food. Yeah. <laughs> Just because it's a weird name, and the other guy that had his name was good, he must be good. But it turns out he was rubbish. Um, let's move on to the actual football. Um, I think we need to start with kind of. The Champions League and the race for the Champions League, and obviously Man City this week have had their um, ban reversed um, by the Court of Arbitration. What, what is it? It's CAS. Arbitration. Arbitration. Yeah. Say that word. Thank CAS. you. Um, but Phil on Facebook asked us, "Is that me? Does that mean financial fair play is done and dusted because Man City have had that reversed and they are now free to play in the Champions League?" No. Okay. I mean, why, why? Just jump in, because I mean, look, if you get acquitted of a murder, it doesn't mean murder isn't still illegal. It, you, <laughs> you've got to you've got to really take it in context. I, but it is gross, and mm. there, there's a few reasons why. So, firstly, they didn't get 
proved innocent. And what what I've really thought found disgusting over the last couple of days is the victory laps that are happening at Manchester City. There, there's some interviews with Sheikh Monsieur Guardiola demanding an apo- apology. Yeah, yeah, demand everyone should apologise to Manchester City. And actually, oh, please no. be a little more understated because you weren't found innocent. You were just found that the crimes you committed were beyond the statute of limitations of the the rules that you broke. So essentially, the they they did do what they were accused of doing. However, they did it five years ago, more than five years ago. Yeah, now, so what does that mean, though? What is what does time barred actually mean? Okay, in this okay. So so within the 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 framework of financial fair play you can only look at things that happened within the last five years now rod you're going to hate this but the reason why that is in the rules is because when uefa set up financial fair play all of the big boys didn't want anyone finding skeletons in their closet (laughs) so they basically went you know yeah it's a great idea it's a great idea but you know anything that's old is old it's already done it's done it's done isn't it right water water down the stream whatever it's called water in the the bridge bridge. (laughs) yeah dust in the carpet like you just can't can't keep looking at our skeletons so cool so so uh part of the framework was anything over five years old was deemed you know you ineligible to be judged against so in the statement by Cass, it said that they they weren't proved innocent or guilty for the um for what they were being accused of However, the evidence was inadmissible because it was beyond the framework of punishment. So they, they reversed the punishment because they weren't guilty. Because within the framework, they weren't guilty because it was too old. Well, we so should then, say we should say that the full judgment hasn't been released yet, which will have more detail. So I think that's going to come out tomorrow. But the and they were found. They, they were they, so essentially there wasn't enough evidence to convict them of the most serious offence, no, which no, no, was no. no, no. There was enough evidence, but the evidence was more than five years old. It was time barred. Okay. Well, they yeah. said. I think the only announcement so far is that um, there's a combina- combination of there not being enough evidence and some things being time barred. They haven't, but there hasn't been full detail given on that yet. But they were found guilty of not complying or refusing to comply with the investigation. Is that right? Which is what they got fined for. They got ten million fine rather than. 30 million fine but i just i don't i mean i'm interested to see what comes out but to me if ever there is a case of i mean and i we've talked about this before i have no doubt that there are plenty of other teams out there that have done what manchester city have done mm. and have fiddled the books and have, have done things just as dodgy as manchester city you know your, your psgs and, and your other other big clubs but it's pretty clear to everyone, isn't it, that Manchester City have broken the financial fair yeah. play rules here? Like, so how can they get... Is, is well, it the situation the thing, we're in? So what they're saying is that... Um, I mean, part of the quote for the the report that was released, it just said that, um, you know, that whether or whether it, they are true or not, all of the evidence that was submitted is inadmissible. So they've, they've said, we're well, not even going to specify whether this whether they've broken the rules or not because it's over five years old. So I have a question on that. So... UEFA put this ban in place. Mm-hmm. Man City appealed to Cass. Were UEFA wrong to put the ban in place because it was over the time frame? So they just made up a ban that wasn't within the rules. Yes, well, no, that's a massive but, oversight. By that's then. not oversight. Sure. They're not. They're not idiots. They're they're obviously corrupt bastards, but they're not idiots. They <laughs> were under the impression that the the overwhelming amount of evidence they had was good enough. 
to to force a conviction on this crime whereas the actually it's it's like if i commit a murder and you and you've got my dna you've got me on cctv you've got everything but for whatever reason the 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 investigator or the the detective was found corrupt for something you did in this past i go well everything's corrupt then isn't it you'd still try me and then just go oh well that's you know it's hit and miss whether whether the jury's going to find that you know, it's overwhelming enough and we can ignore the fact that this bloke's corrupt. But if I've got a good enough lawyer, OJ then I'm going yeah, yeah. to turn around and go, but this bloke's corrupt no matter what you do, everything that he said is corrupt. And that's exactly what's happened. And we, we now live in a world where clubs and clubs such as Manchester City have more money than the governing body that they report to. Mm. Which means that, and, and please take, don't ignore the 10 million euro fine for stalling. Because when I say stalling, I mean obstructing the investigation or whatever they put it. That's what essentially they're being charged for doing, which we all know happens. They were being belligerent dickheads. They were using the Trumpian defense. You know, we were talking about it a year ago. How they were they were basically just like turning around going, No, we're not gonna we're not gonna provide you with financial records. You you're a corrupt entity. We're not gonna we're not gonna listen to you. We're not gonna Everyone's like, serve your us. subpoenas. Yeah. They were doing all of that. So, you know, it's no wonder that this is five years old. Because what well, Manchester City have done is they've spent the last five years knowing pushing it back, pushing it back. I tell you what, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep complaining and kicking and screaming and delaying and appealing and doing everything I possibly can to make sure that I know these rules. I've got a very good lawyer. You know, Man City employed the same lawyer that, that worked for the Conservatives for Brexit. They've got a very good litigious legal team that are a bunch of cunts and they <laughs> sorry but they are you, you can't laugh at they're, they're horrible humans i hope yeah. they listen to this because what yeah. they're doing is they're representing the evil side of life they're essentially a lawyer for the joker you know it, yeah. it's, it's it's disgraceful so what manchester city have done is they, they knew this framework which is why as soon as they got the the ban they were convinced we will be uh, the, you know, everything will come to light. We will be presumed, you know, we will be proved innocent from this from this whole thing. And that is because they knew, they absolutely knew that they stalled, they pissed around for long enough to go with this outside of five years. As soon as they, then as soon as the evidence was out, as soon as it was leaked to Dest Eagle from the football leagues, they knew exactly what they had from a prosecution perspective. So they knew that what they were being charged was five years old or was going to be five years old if they piss in the wind for a little bit longer, which means that, you know, then I'm watching the victory lap this week and I'm watching Guardiola come out and saying everyone should apologize to us. We've been proved innocent. Now, there's something to say that, you know, if the detective is is corrupt for whatever reason, then everything the detective says is corrupt. I get that. But keep quiet, mate. Yeah, well, you're, it's, you're looking it's at not... people like Klopp and, and Mourinho who are coming out going, this is bad for football because essentially they're using the the, the Trumpian strategy, the Trumpian defense, and they're, they're, they're finding plot holes in the system They're it's not a loophole yeah like instance. five years is not is not something to jump up and down and say you know we're innocent and we've been wronged it's purely that you did it um b- before a bullshit timeline that was created by you anyway to you know try and ensure that this doesn't happen so, so but, I, but, but why the thing with the, the main um sorry john the, the crux no of one. the prosecution was obviously that um money was being funneled into manchester city that was supposedly from sponsoring entities like emirates like the etihad sorry the airline itself um whereas in reality that was actually a very small amount of money and it was 
Sheikh Mansour's money directly that was coming into the club. Now, what I don't understand, if that's a time bar thing, like at what what point do they decide when that's stopped? Because he owns the airline anyway. So isn't it all, I don't know, how is well, that not the same they've thing? They've cleaned up their books in that window of time. And what's really interesting is, do you, do you remember we, we were talking um, when this So they've inflated thing whole... the value of the airline or what's no, the... No, 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 no. They've just, they've just increased the value of their club to make the sponsorship representative of the club that they're sponsoring. Back when the Etihad Airways agreement was first signed, it was far bigger than a club like Man City could yeah, understandably say that this is what we're worth from a from an advertising perspective. And what I was really, really interested about was the financial sorry, the legal ramifications in other industries. So if you remember that, you know, by falsifying your tax records, you're you're falling afoul of British consumer. Uh, consumer law, um, sorry, corporate law. And when Etihad Airways were trying to get their license in the United States to land in, in Dallas and in New York, they submitted their financial records to the FAA. And during that, um, that meeting where they were discussing the value of Etihad, you know, companies like American Airlines and United said that they had no right coming into the States because they're, they're too big and they shouldn't be given a license. But they said, no, 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 we're not worth that much money. We're not worth that much money. And in that um in that litigation over there, the, those other airlines brought up the fact that if Etihad can afford to spend £79 million in sponsorship for a football club, they're too big to be in our airspace. And Manchester City turned around and went, oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, Etihad went, that's not our money. That comes from Sheikh Monsieur. It's just been, you know, it's just got Etihad's name on it, but it's not, Etihad only paid £5 million to try and get their licence. But what, what they've done so cleverly, and the reason why those lawyers are, just a piece of work is they've not denied that that's what's happened all they've done is they said it was too long ago for you to charge us for it so so had they denied had they said no this money was from etihad wasn't from shape monsieur they'd fall foul of u.s law by their because what they submitted to the FAA, faa is incorrect but actually what they've said is no it was correct though what etihad airlines said is fine it did come from shape monsieur but from uefa's perspective it was over five years ago so fuck off so we're going to move on to the football but quick last question to answer phil's question you said i said here is financial fair play done and dusted and you instantly said no jeff why is it not done and dusted? Because for me, it just strikes me as the rich people here have just got away with it and are just going to be able to do it again in the future and then just work out a way around these financial fair play rules. So why is it not done? Financial fair play always protects the, the rich. Always. And Man City have managed to shoehorn themselves into that bracket now. That doesn't mean that financial fair play doesn't work for the nearly rich or the aspiring rich. Just like the law in common society doesn't yeah. really apply to Generally, those with, with a hell of a lot of money. If you're so in the one percent, it's the rules don't apply. Yeah, so you know you can you can go to jail for tax evasion when you you know don't file a tax return when you earn fifty grand a year. But if you're a billionaire, you don't go to jail for tax evasion. You know, so so financial fair play, yeah. the law doesn't get discredited by this. All it does is means Man City are now rich enough to be part of the club that doesn't have to give a shit. Just makes us all lose a bit more faith in the world. Oh, good, good one. Well, let's talk, let's talk about football then instead. So what it has done is it means that if you come fifth, you don't get into the Champions League, which has changed everything, basically, because Man United, Leicester and Chelsea and Wolves, to a point, were racing to the top five, and now it's suddenly one place left and going for the top four. Um, and well, I it, could, wanna... it could only be three places, we should say. Why is that, Rog? 
because if Chelsea win the Champions League and finish outside the top four, and if Wolves win the Europa League and qualify for the Champions League, you can only have a maximum of five teams from one country. So only the top three clubs from the Premier League would qualify. Chelsea are 3-0 down from their first leg at home to Bayern Munich. They are not going to win the no, Champions League. No, I know. League. But I'm just, you know, I'm giving you the theoretical <laughs> permutations. Um, but the teams, the Chelsea, Leicester's and Man United's that are racing for that top four seem to have kind of fallen off a little bit. And last season this happened, Arsenal kind of needed to win one or two games out of the last three or four and kind of didn't do it. Chelsea kind of stuttered over the line and got there in the end somehow. Um, so I feel like the, the pressure of getting into the top four is getting to a few teams. Um, starting with Chelsea, they got tonked by Sheffield United. They did win this morning 1-0 against Norwich. But Chelsea getting smashed by Sheffield United 3-0 and not showing up. Have they got the mental capacity the kind of the experience maybe that they need to actually make it into the top four or are they gonna choke at the end they've only got two games left well i i think we're gonna say right it's two from three i think that's reasonable i think wolves are a little bit too far back and sheffield united would you agree with that i well okay on that i'm going to go through the fixtures that everyone's got of chelsea man united leicester and wolves and the reason i'm going to go through these is because i think wolves have a chance still so wolves currently are four points off fourth um with three games left chelsea last two games are liverpool which difficult game and wolves so if wolves win that game against chelsea suddenly they're three points closer and chelsea lose to liverpool which is possible Man United play Palace, West Ham and Leicester. Leicester plays Sheffield United, tricky game, Spurs, tricky game and Man United. Wolves have Burnley, nothing to play for. Palace, nothing to play for. And then Chelsea in their last game. So I can see Wolves getting nine points from the last three games and Chelsea getting nothing from their last two games. So it could become very close at the end. You can also see Leicester losing all three of those as well. Leicester's... Oh, but Leicester, Le- Leicester, Man United. What I'm really hoping is that it's Leicester, Man United on the final day because that would be yeah. well. Because it's Leicester brilliant. against Man United and Chelsea Wolves on the final day. So in the perfect scenario, you have all four of those teams within <laughs> still in the mix, points, and then it's all to play for. Yeah, I think you got you can't ignore form at this time of the year, and uh, with so many games, you know you don't really have time until rest to slump. When you're when you're doing so badly, and I think Leicester have really, really found bad form at bad time without any time to fix it. So I, I feel for them a bit. They were on the beach and they've been just um, mullered because of it. And well, they've just lost four uh, one to Bournemouth, um, which is embarrassing, really, considering what Bournemouth are doing at the moment. So well, I although like- I do you know, I. I I'm assuming you guys watched a bit of this game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a 4-1. It was a weird 4-1. It was like one of those perfect storm games. Like, basically every one of Bournemouth's goals was shit. Yeah. Like the, so <laughs> You're right. Yeah, there, you're was, all right. there was a massive deflection off Johnny Evans for one of them that completely wrong foot Schmeichel. Schmeichel whacks the ball into, um, you know, for the, for the first, well, no, it was, I think it was um, Indeedy, was wasn't it? He yeah. hits the ball into Indeedy and then gives it away and then gives away a penalty 
So that's the that's the equaliser. Um, Soyuncu kicks out at Callum Wilson after the second goal because he's pissed off and gets sent off. So they're down to 10 men. And then there's like a massive deflection. So I just, I watched it and I'm like, this is not a 4-1 game. It's and Solanke's just one last where... goal was pretty mental too. Like, yeah, that's it's just not like, a normal goal. <laughs> no, it's just one of those things where like everything goes wrong. So I, I think we can, I agree that Leicester haven't been in great form, but I think we can... I think we can get carried away by reading too much into that game. And, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't write them off. Like we said, Chelsea, it's weird at the moment what's happening. Like this isn't a normal scenario. Chelsea, I think that was an important win this morning, but it was a gritty one nil against the oh, poor Norwich side that are down. Yeah. By the way, Giroud um, has been, even if you just say what's happened since we've come back, Great signing. He's got them mm. about, you know, 12 points since the season restarted. But, I, I mean, they were poor against Sheffield United. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, I'm not overly convinced with them. I think the only certainty I would say in that at the moment, I think United are going to finish in the top four. Yeah, I think because United have the, like Jeff said, you've got the run of form. and It's momentum and form at the moment. And yes, Man United drew with Southampton to all... Big Fergie time goal. That was great. Yeah, Fergie time goal, which if you have not seen Harry Maguire's defending it for the last minute header, it's hilarious because he def- he marks one of the main United players. He doesn't realise that he's marking a main United player. Oh, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> Rather than a sad So embarrassing. Player. It's really funny. And, and who, who's the player he's marking? Who's who's the other main United player? Uh, Wan-Bissaka. He didn't even turn around and go mental at him. If you... Yeah. If you you know, you'd turn around and go, he had his arms all over him. Yeah, it was just like, penalty without even knowing who, who it is. <laughs> and he turns around, it's Harry Maguire. You're like, oh, mate. Man United should have won the, the game. World. Should have yeah, comfortably man. won the game. Rashford missed a sitter. Um, Martial missed a decent chance too. I mean, the goals were good, but I, I, I hope it does come down to that final game and I hope Man United lose against Leicester because that would make me very happy. But I, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, and then, well, so if it's going to come down to that final day as well, Wolves need to be involved. Now, all three of us separately from our isolation watched Wolves v Everton on Sunday evening because it was the early game at 9pm. And we all were on, regularly on WhatsApp talking to each other about basically how shit Everton are. <laughs> Jeff, <Yeah. I> mean, <laughs> it was awful. Wolves were quite good. It was a pretty awful game. And after about 40 minutes, I just suddenly went, what the fuck am I watching? This is terrible. Um, and then Wolves kind of turned the screw and won the game. But I, I don't think Wolves were great. I think Wolves no, were fine. pretty, they were pretty, pretty dour. Yes. Yeah. And I, I've spoken about how I don't really rate Wolves that much. But Jeff, I want to talk about Everton a little bit because they were so terrible that day. And considering where Everton are at and the financial fair play maybe has gone out the window and they have the uber rich guy. Do you just spend a billion dollars in the window and change oh, it? All, it's, it's hard. I mean, Again, I mean, without talking about the games, <laughs> by three number tens, completely forgettable, <laughs> but it was, it was apart from Neves's pass. Sorry to interrupt before you go on your Everton train. We can't talk about that game without talking about how good Neves's pass was for the third goal. Yeah, no, that uh, was pretty yeah, special. Yeah. And the Wolves were fine. Wolves were just a better than average mid-table side in that game. And Everton were just horrendous, absolutely horrendous. And I, I don't want to, it's not an Everton bash, but I think it's it's a broader thing in football. Successful teams, and te- look, tell me if you disagree with this. I'm very interested in your opinion. But a successful teams sell their best players at their peak. Mm. 
Yeah, and, and that's something I think Fergie got right at Man United for years and years and years, was knowing, okay, it's time to sell Yapstam or it's time to sell, um, I don't know, who else he sold it as people? Vidic. Vidic well, and yeah, Ronaldo. I, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, I, Beckham. I tried to kind of validate my own my own view here and I disappeared down a bit of a rabbit hole. But obviously Spurs, right? Spurs have had one of the most successful periods recently. They've not won anything, which I'm sure they're acutely aware of. But they've, they've been, you know, high enchalance of the, the Premier League in the last few years. And they spent the last 10 years selling their best players. Gareth Bale, Luka Modric, Berbatov. Mm. Um, Liverpool have done the same. Fernando Torres was at his peak. Mascherano, Zabi Alonso, Craig Bellamy, Peter Crouch. Coutinho. Um, Coutinho, Suarez, like, yeah, Suarez. Suarez, yeah. Um, uh, you'd argue that um, Suarez um, is now Arsenal third have on done the... the same, and 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 Arsenal's extended period in the top four, they were selling their best players every year: Vermaelen, Robin van Persie, Alex Song, Sami Nazari, Adebayor, Colo Torre, Chleb. They were genuinely just selling off their Chleb. best players. Chleb was not way... very good. <laughs> Say again. I, I rated Cleb. No. I thought Cleb was good. Cleb. Yeah, went to Barcelona. Are you laughing at Cleb? The great, greatest Belarusian to ever play in the Premier he went League. To Barcelona. Alexander Cleb. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Cleb. Cleb was great. Um, so, they, what Everton have not done in the last four years is sold their best player, apart from Lukaku, and th- that was good business. The only reason why they were able to buy as many players as they could is because they sold Lukaku. Now, that was, that's a good business model. Yeah. I'm talking the, since the money's come in for Everton. Okay. Um, the the problem is Everton are buying players, at, buying players who would go to Everton at their conceived peak. So buying what they think are the best they can get at overinflated prices because they're at their peak and you feel like you're buying instant success. And actually what a club like Everton should be doing is selling Richarlison, selling Dominic Calvert-Lewin, selling, selling Lucas Digne at a massive profit and then reinvesting that to increase the average quality of the squad I, I think but we... I don't know if you're quite there yet not not to comp- not I don't completely disagree with you and I, I, I think there's a lot in what you're saying but I think the examples of the other clubs that we're talking about are in a different spot when they started doing that and I don't think that that is how they necessarily got to be at the top I think that is how you sustain success that's part mm. of the sustaining. Whereas, where I don't think you have that many saleable assets. No, Maybe I, do, you, I disagree, Roger. I think I think when you when the point where it went wrong is when the money came in, which is which is the end of Martinez's reign. Martinez's yeah. first season, he got seventy two points in the Premier League. There's that would have won the Premier League in some other years or, or well, come but, second. But I think it's more fit. about the the novelty of you having suddenly having the money without necessarily toys, yeah. And the, and the plan hasn't worked. You know, you, the signing three number tens was just ridiculous and huge wages. So suddenly able to play wages. So you, so you buy players who go to your club but don't really want to go to your club because you're not in Europe. So you're going to pay in big wages. And actually, what Everton should be doing, and I'm sorry if everyone disagrees, we should be selling Richarlison to Barcelona for 150 million pounds. Take the we, money and run. Know, there are only two clubs in, on this planet that don't sell their best players at their peak, and that's Real Madrid and Barcelona. And the majority of players who I just read there are oh, Man City to a degree because they pay stupid wages, but. The majority of the players I just read out in that list went to either Real Madrid or Barcelona because <laughs> they're the ones who buy players for that much money at their peak. If Everton sold Richarlison for £150 million and Calvert-Lewin for probably £40 million in today's market, 
suddenly they wouldn't give a shit about financial fair play and they'd be, and buy some players who were on the up and coming. Clubs like Ajax do it all the time. But who are you going to buy? Well, but I was going to say, thing. I think you've got to have, you can't just buy someone for the sake of buying someone, but I think it's deciding to buy. So Sigurdsson you buy and he's 28, 29 already. And he's kind of at Terrible his signing. And he's fading out and he costs 40 million or whatever. You buy Rooney, didn't cost you anything, but you pay 75 million in wages or whatever. Um, and he's an aging and it's sentimental. And you can't be sentimental and you can't have aging players if you're going to make progress. You need to have young, hungry players. Yeah. And you have to have a kind of plan and structure in place that's okay, we get these young, hungry players. Something, for example, Leicester, um, when they won the league, if you look at the team, it was all players that had something to prove. They all came from, they might have played at youth at Man United and then gone down the, to the championship or league one and then come back up. If you sign players, often if you sign players that have been at Barcelona, like Yerry Mina or Dinia, or been at uh, Spurs like Sigurdsson has or whatever, they kind of almost think like, oh, this is a step down. You want to get them with that attitude of, no, you're here to prove yourself. And you, you're on the way up. You're buying players on the way down, then you're never going to win anything. And you're only ever going to buy them on the way down if you're buying them at their peak. And you're only ever going to overspend on those players when you're a club like Everton. And this isn't this isn't just an Everton principle. This is, this is no. statistically proven that if you sell your players at your peak, it is better for your sustainability as a football club. But this- every single time, the fans hate it. If, if Everton turned around in three weeks' time and sold Richarlison and kept... You know, the other fucking 10 useless layabouts that started that game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Richarlison was the one that was sold. It would be uproar. But actually, that would be the most sensible thing to, to do for a club that's so landlocked by financial fair play that needs to clear up some money, invest in so many aspects of that squad, but do it with buying under 24 players who are who are ready to grow for three years and again be sold as a profit. But that has to be your model. And no one is no one should be so arrogant to think that's not their model. When Manchester United do it every single year under Fergie, you can't be so arrogant to think that's not a good idea. But I think yeah, you it- look at where Everton have just stood still, like you mentioned Martinez, and I looked, I looked at your team the team sheet before the start of that game on the weekend. And I looked, at the, so I looked at the squad and I was like, there has been, you've had a lot of money come into this club, but there is no improvement in this team since Martinez left. I think it's gone backwards. Yeah, no, I think that's spot on. I think there's, a, you looked at that team and you went, would any of those players get into, I think I said this on WhatsApp to you guys, would any of these players get into a top four team in the Premier League? And, we said Richarlison, Digne, May. A stretch, yeah. A stretch. And that's about it. Um, and Richarlison is also... And, and where's the improvement coming from next year? Well, so, mm. But then you look at some of the players out on loan. Um, Kieran Dow just scored a hat-trick in that 8-1 hammering that Wigan did against Hull. Um, John Joe Kenny's been playing uh, right back for Schalke all year. He's been doing excellent. The youth are good. The, mm. But you know, un, prior to Ancelotti, the youth were getting a chance. Kuman didn't didn't even know their names, and so they didn't get bled in. Apart from Tom Davis, and I would argue that Tom Davis wouldn't get into another Premier League side. The only reason why he could play for Everton is because he's a scouse. You say um, they did, the other managers didn't know their names, but Ancelotti literally two weeks ago got rid of a player yeah. and didn't know his name. Garbutt. <laughs> yeah, Luke Garbutt. That, that, that is a fair point, but he's also brought in players like Anthony Gordon, who no one knew his name mm. before. Actually how how have we um, three starts in a row? ended up on Everton here, John, as well, by the way? 
No, so no, so we've we've done top four, and we've gone on because Wolves played Everton, and Wolves might get into top four. I wanted to ask Jeff about Everton, and because we all watched it, um, but we're going to move on to the relegation now. But Jeff, you look like you got a final point. Well, I just wanted to, as a compliment, go well. Whilst we're talking about mid-table obscurity, perhaps we mention West Ham. Oh well, no, West Ham are in the relegation. We'll go on to the relegation. No, battle. they're I in the relegation like, battle. I feel like Jeff. after this, what was I saying? For the last two weeks, I've told you, I reckon they're going to be fine. I reckon that we gave them a kick in, and I said, oh, you know, at the end of it, I was like, but I reckon they'll survive because they got David Moyes. He's a pragmatist. They also have the best right back centre forward I've ever seen. Yeah, so Antonio scored four goals for West Ham against Norwich um, at the weekend. Um, the pros- yeah, possibly the best right back forward in the league. <laughs> do you reckon on um, Champman it would say right back slash centre forward? Like, do you reckon that's his... yeah? There'd be no little dots. It should be like a bright. <laughs> no, green dot it wouldn't be. It would be. Right it would dot. be right back, right wing back, uh, right winger, uh, probably left winger, uh, for striker. Forward, I, yes. I heard an interview with him and he said the only position he's never played is left back. That's amazing. He's played in goal. It'd be the only position he's never played is left back. <laughs> he is really good though. And I mean, I think he's the, he is sort of the catalyst in that West Ham team at the moment is kind of Antonio or bust. Like he's the one that brings all the, oh, and Noble. We said Noble's been essentially, well, then, Noble plays well, West Ham do well. And I'd say the same about Antonio, I think. So what? But, we're talking about the conveyor belt of money at Everton. If, if, Antonio and Mark Noble are your catalysts for survival. Looking at all the players that have come in and out of that club, like oh, oh Declan Rice. Sorry, Declan Rice has also been really good. Yeah, and I think yeah. the new midfielder they got Suchek's done pretty well as well since he's come in. And I don't mind Bowen that West uh, they bought. Yeah, he's done all right when he's finally after sitting on the bench for his first eight weeks. But he's as we're right. as we're looking boys. at the um, relegation, I did the fixtures for the people going for the top four, for the teams that are going to possibly go down, so your West Ham, Watford, Bournemouth and Villa, again, I think it's still wide open, partly because of these fixture lists. So West Ham, who we've just said, 1-4-0, looking much better. Next game, which is on Saturday morning at 5am, and I'm actually going to get up and watch this because it's West Ham against Watford. That's a massive, massive game. They're both sat on 34 points, and I think if you get 36 points, you're safe. So basically, if you win that game, you're safe. If you lose that game, you're still in it. If they both draw, they're still in it. But West Ham play Watford, then an informed Man United, and then Villa. So West Ham have to play two teams that are right there with them, and Man United are going for the Champions League. You can easily see them losing all three of those. It would Uh, be so West Ham to go down on the final day, losing against Aston Villa. Yes. Watford play West Ham as we know then they play Man City and Arsenal so if Watford don't get a result against West Ham they're really in a pickle oh but Troy Deeney loves playing against Arsenal doesn't he (laughs) yeah he does he's always said it he loves playing against Arsenal put Watford down for a win against Arsenal yeah I would they just roll over and let Deeney tickle their little underbelly Bournemouth have Man City next which is 5-0 um, then they have Southampton, who have been good but have nothing to play for, and Everton, who have been bad and nothing to play for. Um, Villa, what a great season that sounds. Like. <laughs> Villa play Everton next, 
um, then Arsenal, and then that big game against West Ham. So I think they're all they're, because of the way the fixtures are falling. I actually can see it still going to the last game of the season where you have Villa against West Ham because. I think there's the people are going to beat each other and lose against each other. So I think there's still a huge amount to play for. Well, and I think Villa getting a win um, at the weekend as well was big. Like it was, you know, it was against Palace who, you know, absolutely have nothing to play for. But I think just getting a win. Yes, they mm-hmm. subsequently, you know, they lost against Man United. But I just, I'm with you. I, I suddenly at the weekend from being a bit, disappointed and thinking that you know things were kind of all all sorted at both ends of the table I think it's all back on I think this uh, relegation especially I think Watford will win tomorrow and West Ham is still right in it I think also because suddenly people have it's getting to crunchy time that everyone's gone we've got fucking win games and they all won this weekend and that says a lot is they suddenly have just gone we have to start winning games and that's it's going to be those small percentages right now I think Watford winning uh, they won 2-1 didn't they against Newcastle and went a goal down and won because of two penalties Troy Deeney's penalties were the most basic stupid penalties but the perfect thing for that scenario yeah. oh, I love them as you can. close, close your eyes and hit it down the middle brilliant <laughs> and he did it the second time went down the middle again like, so the, the cheek of that is unreal I absolutely love it I love that he just went well what's the easiest way to do this hit as hard as I can straight down the middle I think it's brilliant but um, um, did, did you see Jack Grealish's dive in the Villa game oh that was ugly I just that it, that's bad that was proper, I've just fallen over um, and I'm just going to collapse in a heap. Yeah, it's diving swan. His arms went up, his shoulders went back. And you're like, oh, mate, there's no, like, there's no one here. There's no crowd here. No one's going to shout for you. No one's, no one's on your side. That and you what are, is here exposed. is a lot of video cameras. So everyone's <laughs> just watching you yeah. and filming you and going, uh, what are you doing? I think Villa are probably the weakest team out of those ones that we've discussed but I still think they could stay up who, who, you who... think they're weaker than Bournemouth I, th- I think Bournemouth are really pathetic oh no they've got um, Dominic Solanke up front that's fairly well <laughs> Jordan Ibe oh okay so we but I think are we all saying that it's um, it's two from that four what what two have you got can I've... Brighton still get sucked in they're probably no. safe aren't they Brighton are fine on 36 points I think um, yeah. I um, okay my, I want West Ham and Bournemouth to go down. <laughs> My want is West Ham and Bournemouth. I think Villa and Watford will. Oh, wow. Okay. I think, I think West Ham will beat Watford uh, this week. Um, and then Watford having to play Man City and Arsenal in their last two games. And the Arsenal game they can win, but I can see Man City tonking them 6-0. And that's going to really dent your confidence before your last game. Um, and Bournemouth, yes, they have Man City, but the Southampton-Neverton games, I can see them winning both. Oh, I don't know, because the Southampton one's not easy because it's a bit of a South Coast derby. So there's, there's also, after the abject performance by Everton in the week, this is not a good time to play them. Yeah. Because there, there are a lot of that first team that know they're playing for their jobs. No, that's true. No, that's and I think true. Villa should be fearful of that. By the time the shed comes out, Villa will have played Everton. And... I would be. I feel sorry. It's a terrible time for a club in Villa's position to play a club who just had a game like that. No, Villa Everton's the day after, so that's not till not till Friday morning. 
3 a.m. Oh, sorry, sorry, John. No, it's, I'm, I'm going to be there 3 a.m. watching an awful <laughs> game of football. <laughs> Disgusting game of football. Um, let's move on to the rest of the Premier League. So the North London derby happened. Oh, God. Did you did you watch that? I, I watched bits of it. I, do you know, I, normally, North London derby is one of those games you go, I'll make the effort. I don't care what time of day it is. I would really want to watch that game. Jose Mourinho has ruined it for me. So I had no desire to get up. What a time. disgusting managerial performance by Mourinho. Yeah. Did you see that um, by halfway through the second half, the possession stats were 82% Arsenal, 18% Spurs? Oh, that's awful. 18%. And the, the, Arteta came back after the game. He came out after the game and was like, look, this is how Mourinho plays football. He wins. He's a winner. He does this. We all know what he does. We needed to have beat him at his game. Like, to concede possession to only have 18% and still... Like I saw at the home. footage at home and, and I saw, you know, they've got all of these cameras in the dressing rooms and down that little runway or whatever it is. At yeah. I saw all of the, all of these like clips of him hugging everyone and everyone celebrating. I'm like, mate, that was dog shit. You, you've, you've won a game of football with 18% possession and you're proud of yourself. I just think, especially for a team like Spurs, I used to love watching Spurs. And, and, and I say that like, don't get me wrong. I've probably ever since Harry Redknapp, I've enjoyed watching Spurs, and they've they've never let me down as an entertaining side. It also, yeah. It's like the way they wanted to play football is always something that you could thoroughly get into, and it's amazing how quickly that's destroyed. And, well, so, gr- and, the, and the, the, both the goals, like absolutely no creativity was involved in either of those goals. It's a set piece and a massive, massive defensive error by Kalasnich. Yeah, and. And I just sort of feel like that is nothing to celebrate. No, and also Son scored that equaliser from the mistake, um, which was such an Arsenal thing to do: score a wonder goal and then concede a stupid one. Um, but Son oh, David Louise. breaks through <laughs> and scores that goal. Son is the happiest footballer I've ever seen. Like he's always super happy. He scores that goal. He doesn't smile once. He just runs off. Head down is just like oh yeah, good, yeah, it's good. And for me, that's a reflection of he's not enjoying his football and he's not enjoying playing for Jose Mourinho. He's just scored an equaliser in the derby. Yes, there's no crowd there, but you'd think he'd be like, yes, get in, this is awesome. No, nothing. But what, not what a typical Arsenal defensive display, like watching them at the back, is so horrible. Like it's just, mm. um, it's slow motion horrible. It's, it is. it's like it's broken. You, you know, like if you've, you've played FIFA and you're on the easiest setting and you can just run forwards you know, <laughs> and the defenders just kind of scoot their bums out of the way. It just feels like that sometimes. It must be so hard to be emotionally invested in that football club. What, what about Spurs for next season? So I just, you know, I th- we all thought Mourinho was an odd appointment in terms of, you mm. know, when Spurs did it, you know, <laughs> Sort of obviously, it was going to be a big decision after um, Poch left, but going the Mourinho option didn't really seem like a long term solution. And I, I keep banging on about how his shelf life is shorter than other managers, and I think he's gone. I think his time is gone, and he's not going to have more success because his methods are outdated and it is miserable. And I don't, it's very hard to be miserable and play good football or whatever you do perform well at your job if you're unhappy i read about um jose Mourinho. do you, you remember his um i'm the special one speech yeah yeah so the original one at chelsea yeah yeah the original one at chelsea you will remember that well 
do you know in time that is closer to when Gaza cried Italia 90 than to now? Wow. So if you think about that, you think about how Mourinho has been around for a long time and it's impressive to keep going for a long time. But that have a lot of success. He's had a lot yeah, of success. and had a lot of success. Yeah. But in reality, he's been around for too long. Um, and I, I, Spurs aren't going to do anything next year. They're just going to finish mid-table and be miserable and then they'll get rid of him. And it's predictable. It's boring. I hope that some, like, I think, Son should leave. I think Kane should leave. I think they should all go Man United because they're really good. Um, <laughs> but like, if you, if but they're in a pickle. They are in a real pickle because if you're, you know, Levy will realise that where Spurs are at right now, particularly with the stadium, they need to be getting in the Champions League. Mm. So I think there'll be an element of wanting to invest and try and ensure that next Spurs aren't going to get Champions League this year, but next year they're positioning themselves to be challenging for the Champions League. Now, I would argue that Mourinho is not the guy that's going to do that, but you've put him in and you're probably going to have to spend a lot of money to get rid of him. So are you now going to give him money to spend next season in the current environment to try and get Spurs in the top four? I think it's he's already brief. cost you money because uh, he's ostracised the most expensive player in Don Bele, uh, most expensive player of all time. He's also convincing players not to sign um, new contracts, really. Even Dongan and but you know, players who were 50-50 about whether they were going to stay at the club and now not staying at the club. So, so Mourinho needs to spend money simply so the club doesn't go backwards. It's just, so you have to invest in players that are good as Vertonghen and Alderweireld to keep your status quo and, and that means you've got to give him money just to not lose and, and, and that's a, of all of the managers to do that to to be kind of duty bound to pay for something because he's not going to pay kids he actively comes out in public and says the kids aren't good enough yeah and he's got a long contract and he's the second highest paid manager in the league behind Guardiola that's a problem um, let's move off Spurs because it just makes me angry Man City played two games since we last recorded they an aggregate one ten nil. I have nothing else to report on the fact that they just do that every week. Although I did like. Oh, can we? Uh, no, no, no. I I really enjoyed uh, one of these games because the Man City's first two goals were so classic Man City cutbacks, <laughs> and I knew I knew Jeff would be watching, and I got some enjoyment from just thinking about how much how annoyed Jeff would be about the perfection of the Man City cutback goals. It's yeah, so horrible. <laughs> it's then, just so horrible. I, I, like, I, it genuinely made me a bit vomitous in my mouth. Like the, <laughs> the way, the way that that's what they look for. So it's like there's no the the player is running with the ball. He goes to the byline, and this is in the 18 yard box, like in the penalty area. They go to the byline without even looking to score. They just want the cutback. It's like that is as good to them as a goal. That's just disgusting. Yeah, and also I did enjoy Sterling scoring a hat-trick whilst getting a header whilst lying on the, on floor, the floor and it kind of bounced yeah. off his head in. So that was quite yeah. good. But he's, I, I'm, look, I, I really like Raheem Sterling yeah. and I, he's just a player that I really want to do well. Partly because he's had so many haters in, and he's mm. still such a, you know, young, a young man. I just think that's a bit of a, a disgrace. And I think, you know, that we, we as, um, English football fans love to knock down our, um, mm. you know, that our sort of good, our good players, our stars. And I, I just, I really want to see him succeed. So the fact that he is absolutely banging the goals in a game 
And I think if the season was a couple of games longer, I would be putting money on him to finish top scorer. Yeah. Because well, he's just scoring for, scoring for fun at the moment. They the only other thing is... Every game. Yeah. Well, I think the only other thing I wanted to say on the Newcastle game, David Silva is one of my favourite players in Premier League history, probably. I think he'll be... I don't think we'll realise how good he is until he's not playing anymore and then we'll go back and watch old Man City games, you know, before the Man City machine and realise how good Silva has been for so long. And he can still do it. You know, in this game, he was excellent, ran the show. Like, he is such a good footballer. Yeah. And this is his last season and he retires. Well, not retires, he goes back to Spain. Going back to, Sp- going back to his hometown club in Spain, yeah. Um, the last thing on the Premier League, uh, Liverpool won't win every home game this season. So they were going to be the first team since Sunderland in the 1890s to actually win the first, uh, win every single home game. But they won't do that this year because they drew one all with Burnley. And apparently Nick Pope is the greatest goalie in the league. Such a Burnley thing, isn't it? But in- interestingly, John, you put up a um, a stat after this game, or maybe it was you, Jeff, I can't remember if you did, that really surprised me which was the the four teams, um, the top four since January. Oh, yes. Teams with the yeah, best record since January. And obviously Liverpool and Man City are up there and Man United. But was it Burnley are in third? Yeah. Since January. Which, which is, is crazy. Pr- pretty impressive. Yeah. And they're sat, I mean, in reality, look at the league. They're sat on the same points as Arsenal. They're... We all talk about, oh, Arsenal, maybe you go for the Champions League next year. They're on the same points as Arsenal um, and they're doing incredibly. So good on them. I've got one other very quick Premier League thing that we kind of skipped over. We wrote off Sheffield United and we're really worried about them since the restart. And Mm. I absolutely love the fact that they've beaten Spurs and Chelsea 3-0. But I just wanted to give a nod to um, McGoldrick getting a couple of goals. Oh, yes. Because he's been good this year. I've seen him be good in so many games without scoring. So I think that was his first goals in 20, like 29 this starts year. or something yeah. this, this year. Last year, he got 17 goals in the championship mm. and was a star. Like he was he was excellent last year. And I was sort of looking forward to seeing him in the Premier League because he's kind of, um, you know, he's an intelligent player. So I thought that he might transition to the Premier League. Yeah. And it's kind of, I mean, I feel bad it's taken this long, but it was so good to see him get that monkey off his back and just knock in a couple of goals. I, yeah. I loved it. It's so good. Um, mentioning we, the um, whilst we're also talking about um, Sheffield United, can we give a quick shout out to Johnny Egan? Oh, yeah. Who scored two and two? Scored two and two, overlapping centre back. Good on you, kids. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, mentioning the championship. The championship is going off. Uh, Leeds look like they're getting promoted. Brentford possibly could chase down West Brom. They Brentford play Barnsley tomorrow morning, I think it is. Yeah, um, they do. Oh, no, Stoke, sorry. Wait, no, I've got the wrong fixtures. No, Here we go. No. Brentford play Preston, Bristol City play Stoke, uh, Forest play Swansea, and Birmingham play Charlton tomorrow. But basically, Brentford are two points off West Brom, uh, four points off West Brom with a game in hand. So it's all still open. Um, it's all very exciting. And I, I think, Jeff, you mentioned it earlier. Um, obviously, we talked a bit about Wigan last week um, and what's happened with the um, administration there and the fact that they've got a looming 12-point penalty. 
So this morning they went out and won eight nil against Hull. Absolutely so smashed them. And what that did is it's moved them, I think, on goal difference outside of the bottom three when applying the 12-point deduction. Wow. So it was actually a significant result. So, I, I mean, I just, in all this, you just want to see Wigan stay up. Even if yeah, they yeah. cop the 12 points, you want to see them stay up because it's it's a bit of a disgrace. But the championship relegation fight is also going to absolutely go down to the wire like there's there's a heap of clubs that are still I mean I think Middlesbrough had a really big win this morning so that's the Neil Warnock effect so (laughs) he's won he's I think he's won three lost three since he's come in but he's probably going to do what they brought him in for which is you know keep him in the in the league but um, I, I think the, the championship's absolutely going to go down to the, the last day at both ends of the table. And the last day of the championship is next Wednesday slash Thursday morning, Australia time. Um, so we may do a little bit of a championship special, just a 20 minute, half hour special shed, special shed. We can call it a special shed. <laughs> I can't say it. <laughs> do you, do you kind of um, think that when Leeds get promoted to the Premier League, they're going to play next year with... Like Baduka and Lee Bowyer, <laughs> Harry Kuehl, <laughs> Ian Hart. Yeah, I just Gary feel Kelly. Like, like when they Michael get Bridges promoted, will it will just be back to the way it was. That's, <laughs> that's the way I hope. Yes, but I, I, I mean, so. I but I mean, yes, there's that element to it of nostalgia, but also every week we will get to watch Bielsa in the Premier League. I can't wait. Yeah. Now that's brilliant. I'm thoroughly looking forward to kind of really get my teeth into his tactics. You know, mm. the way we've done with Sheffield United can, this year. It's, it's just going to be... Can they still do a Leeds though? Can we get excited? I think we can. Can we get excited? Ooh. Yeah, no, they got... It, it's not going to go wrong now. Can they do a Leeds? Can they do, <laughs> they've done a Leeds quite a lot. <laughs> Um, also, whilst we, over the last week, the Champions League and the Europa League draws came out. We won't go into them too much detail now, but it's just exciting the fact that as soon as the Premier League finishes, then the Champions League and Europa League mini tournament starts. So we will just keep going and there will be Champions League and Europa League games to talk about, which is very exciting. Well, um, I think we, sh- we should say that this, the obviously the one of the announcements that was made is the, the second legs... Um, remaining legs will be played uh, at the home ground of the team. So Man City, Real Madrid is in Manchester um, behind closed doors and then they'll revert to the Portugal um, setup. Um, Real Madrid paying 25 to 1 to win the Champions League. Really? Sorry, what? 25 to 1? Because they're 2-1 down. Because they're 2-1 down against Manchester City. Zidane is the tournament. Man. I mean, there's, there's a. I was reading a big thing about them at the weekend in terms of one of the re- speculating as to why they've done well since they've come back after COVID, and it looks like they're going to win La Liga. They they won um, last night two one, which is a which is a big win, and um, it looks like they're going to grind it out, but that's what they did in the Champions League. They couldn't win the league, but they obviously won the Champions League three years in a row. And, and it's almost like the league has become kind of like a Champions League, like a yeah. or knockout football. It's a tournament, yeah. Um, so I I just don't think you can write them off. 
Isn't it? It's just so refreshing, isn't it, to see, you know, a team that doesn't regularly win the league win the league in Spain. <laughs> How exciting but that must feel. We could, race. There could be an El Clasico semi-final, which oh, would be pretty tasty. Speaking of the league, did you see Gareth Bale's antics this last week? I did, yeah. Oh, I oh, love it. Oh, John. So, like, he's basically, it's shithousery. It's yeah. like <laughs> this bloke has given up the, the, the ghost, right? When Zan made his final substitution in the game, he just started laughing on the sideline with his feet in the air. He put his <laughs> mouth mask over his eyes and pretended to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the next game, he had this like bog roll, and he was pretending it was binoculars, binoculars. and just like looking, yeah. at, looking at people. <laughs> he's just just doesn't give a shit. Meanwhile, anymore. he's their highest paid player. Yeah, it's just brilliant. And he's got two years. He's got another two years of his contract. I mean, it's a shame because I'm much rather watching yeah. him play football. Zidane's, Zidane's not going to play him. Yeah. No. Um, let's move on to side stories. Um, I wanted to start with Jack Charlton. Um, who passed away this week, who won the World Cup for England in 1966 and was a manager of Republic of Ireland for a long time with great success, took them to the Euros in 88, World Cup in 90 and 94. And he was just a hero. Um, partly I loved him because he would train for Leeds when he was a player and smoke during the uh, breaks when he could have a chance <laughs> to just have a quick rollie um, and then kind of run around a bit. Um, and also for Ireland, I love the fact that in the 94 World Cup, he wore the most awkward-looking white cap. Oh, it was so with, good, with a big flat peak. Yeah, to protect himself from the sun. But yeah, he was a legend, so I just wanted to bring Jack Charlton up. It's funny you bring that. I, I have very vivid memories of... And, and Ireland obviously had a, a good World Cup. Uh, Ray Houghton's goal um, springs to mm. mind. Um, Beating Italy 1-0. But just seeing Jack on the sideline. He's such a character that, um, yeah, I, I agree with John. I think, uh, do you know, he was estranged from Bobby Charlton. Yeah. They weren't, they weren't good mates for a while. They kind of fell out. Do you know what that was about? Uh, no, I can't remember, but they, but, they, they reconciled that though. Okay. But yeah, just, I mean, massive character, both, you know, on the pitch and off it. And I think, you know, certainly someone that, that will miss in football. Yeah. Um, has anyone else got side stories? Uh, we have to mention Wigan. Do you mean Wigan uh, sorry. or Wickham? Sorry, no, I mean Wickham. <laughs> oh, too many Ws. Um, obviously, Jeff, you'd be a bit sad with them beating Oxford in the League One playoff final, but Wickham are going to the Championship. For the Beast. first time ever. First time ever. Uh, and so Beast Mode will be in... The championship. Yes. So yeah, you're old beast no. mode. Beast so, mode is uh, Adi Akinfenwa, um, and he's 38 years old. Is that right? Yeah, 38. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's an interview with him after the game, which is amazing. He was unemployed four years ago, and then got given a contract. He's famous because on FIFA he's known as the strongest player, so you get ratings on FIFA, and he gets 98 or whatever for strength because he's basically a bodybuilder. Um, but you also if, turns if out you're listening very... at home and you and you haven't seen him or you can't picture him, Google him now. Yes. The man is amazing. I think he's a Fenwa, mountain. A K I N F E N W A, and mountain. he's an amazing human being as well. He's brilliant. I, I haven't player. been as so excited about a player coming to the championship since Lee Trundle. Yeah, it, it is <laughs> that good. I'm going to rub my thighs at the thought of Lee Trundle, Rog. Good every, on you. Everybody has to go and watch both. 
Akin Fenwar's interview after getting promotion, and also he's a massive Liverpool fan, and he got a um, a congratulatory message from uh, Jurgen Klopp. So that is also yeah. worth a watch. But the but he other... turned up. He turned up for Wickham training in a Liverpool shirt after they won the league a few weeks ago. You know that? You <laughs> see that? So well, and he was and he was late to training, so he copped a fine. Yeah, he got, was a just fine. Like, he got a fine. He got a fine wearing the shirt. And he took a yeah. selfie of him in the shirt. <laughs> He's just a character. And I mean, in today's, you know, we talk about it a bit, um, you know, there's so much pressure on footballers now and, you know, that it it does sort of breed robots a bit. And so I yeah. think you see someone like him come along and it's great. And I think the other person that I just wanted to mention on it was um, uh, Gareth Ainsworth, who's the um, uh, Wickham manager. Now, it's funny because I don't, I don't think of him... Cowboy boots. Yeah, and he's always in a rock band and um, uh, cold-blooded hearts, I think they're called. But uh, so he's, you know, he's a bit of a character. But um, it's funny because I don't think of him as a manager. Immediately, as soon as I hear his name, I go back to Wimbledon when he's mm. playing for Wimbledon Premier League. So it was late nineties, yeah. um, which probably shows um, our age a bit. But um, I just thought it's really interesting that one of the things that so they they were the beneficiaries of the points per game system, right? They were in eighth place before we came back from COVID. Um, but with their game in hand, they were then actually promoted to third because yeah, of wow. goal difference. Yeah. Um, and then they've gone up through the playoffs. Um, and they were so tipped to go down at the start of the season. Yeah, they've had a great year. But the, I mean, the really interesting thing with it as well is he's done something a bit different. And through all these playoff games to kind of create some sort of atmosphere, he has demanded that all the substitutes and all the backroom staff that are there watching the game act as the crowd (laughs) to give some sort of crowd noise. So if you see some of it, like they are, you know, there is noise. They're probably going for it. Yeah. He's probably going for it. And so he's, he's given them a lot of credit for going up, but I sort of feel like, you know, good on you for, for trying, um, something different and the other thing that I liked was just before the final um he got a a text message from Martin O'Neill um now Martin O'Neill um managed Wickham back in 93 which was one of Martin O'Neill's first managerial jobs and took them into the football league so this is a fairly you know rapid rise to get to the championship but he just sort of said good luck um and Ainsworth just came out and said it sort of you know settled his nerves a bit and so i just it's just a good story you know i think we need these sort of stories in this time 1993 i was gonna say that's not a quick that is not a rapid rise it took him 30 years to get up two divisions that's not a rapid rise well i feel like coming into the football yeah maybe not maybe not (laughs) the rapid rise of it's rapid in my world (laughs) um has anyone got any other side stories before we go no. 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 Right, we're ready for end game. End game. Sweet. So I am games master this week. Um, Rog is on 14 points. I'm on 12. Jeff is on 10. Um, we have the new rules. So you get an extra life. So you can get your first bit wrong. So that's okay. As my four year old son would say, the loser's the winner, right? Uh, no. Oh. He's definitely wrong. Oh. Um, now, it's a bit of an older one. Um, because this is when Southampton played Man United, um, because Southampton played Man United recently, 
and Southampton beat them 6-3. It's a famous game in 1996. Wow. Um, 1996, John? 1996. I thought I'd test you a little bit this week. Um, but it was also, the main 19 is pretty obvious. Um, but it's when uh, the, you know, there was a the year where they had the grey shirt scenario. It's not the grey shirt game. It's the one after that when Man United were coming back to go, no, we're great. We're going to beat you. And then they got tonked 6-3. So it's Man United against Southampton, 6-3. Fergie was the manager. I don't know who the Southampton manager was. The referee was Jeff Winter. Oh, yeah, I remember Jeff Winter. <laughs> bit, bit fat. <laughs> yeah. There was 15,253 people at the Dell watching it. And... Mm. Who goes first? Jeff, you lost last week, so you can go first. David Beckham. Correct. Scored a goal. Uh, Ryan Giggs. Oh, no. <gasps> what? I've been injured. Oh, yes. Giggs. Come on. Come on, Rod, you cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Does he get another go? I get another go, right? He's just lost yes, his life. on you, Jeff, but he's lost uh, his Nicky life. Butt. Correct. Uh, Matt Letizia. Correct. Oh, I had Matt Letizia on my paper. Um, Skulls. Correct. Um, Lee Sharp. Really? No. 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 Oh. Too, too oh, late. Too late for Lee. <laughs> Jeff wins. I just, when you said the grey shirts, I just pictured Lee Sharp in the. Um, so the Man United team was Schmeichel. One minute, one minute. Let me just go for a few more, John. Okay. Schmeichel. Yep. York. No. Cole. No. Oh, good. <laughs> Roy Keane. Yes. Pallister. Pallister, yes. Gary Neville, yes. That's all I had. Bruce? Um, no Bruce. Uh, there was Schmeichel, Neville. David May? David May. <laughs> Gary Pallister, Gary Neville. Beckham, Butt, Keane, Scholes. Um, Cruyff, Cantona. And then... Oh. Cantona was my next bloody one. Erwin, McClare and Solskjaer came off the bench. Erwin. And then so the Southampton Lee Sharp team. was still was there then. If no, McClare... they were just sponsored by Sharp. <laughs> no... <laughs> If McClare is still there, then Lee Sharp's still there. Um, and then Southampton was Dave Besson, Simon Charlton. Don't know who that is. Ulrich Van Gobble. Hmm? You, you, know who, <laughs> you know who Simon Charlton is. He, he's um, got the same haircut as you, also played for uh, Charlton. Oh, okay. No, I have no idea who that is. Um, Alan Nielsen, Richard Dryden, Jason Dodd, Klaus Lundekvarm. I remember him. Jason Dodd was on my list. Bloody hell. Um, Matt Oakley, Matt Letizia, Ile Berkovich, and Egil Ostenstad. Oh, Rog, you let I reckon down I could there. have got every one of those bloody players. If you had 10 lives. <laughs> um, but that yes. means, uh, Jeff, you win. So you are Games Master next week. Inevitable victory. That was a bit Never. of a shame, really, because that is, a, you're right, both those teams. Um, There's a lot of players in Asia. Pretty but. iconic. Yeah. Well, what was, what was wrong with Gibbsy? Where was he? I presume he was injured. He didn't tell me, but I presume so. He was at the hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Getting um, has anyone got anything before we go? No, it was great to not see you in person. Great yeah, to just kind of have the room to myself. But, uh, well, there's only two weeks left of football. That's it. Like two more weeks of Premier League and then it's on wow. to Champions League. It's kind of exciting. Um, but thanks for listening, quickly. everyone. We will be back next week. Uh, don't forget, if you want to get in contact, ask us questions or tell us we're wrong about something, just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. See ya. Bye.